Yeah, somebody, uh, somebody on our team asked me today, hey, are we doing anything special for Mother's Day? And, you know, are we putting out, you know, muffins or cookies or something? And, and I, I'd kind of been thinking about that all, all week because I, you know, in the Western church, you know, Mother's Day and Father's Day, we do something special and we, you know, we try to do all these different things to attract people to come into the church. And, and if you've been at Revival long, you know Revival's just different. And, and that's what we believe we're supposed to be. We, we don't believe we're supposed to look like every other church out there. You can go to a lot of other churches today and you can get some cookies and you can get some muffins and some flowers and you can get all that stuff. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But God didn't call us to that. I'm sorry. He didn't. Like our, our culture, like we live in a culture that's all about me, me, me. Look at me. And I'm not saying Mother's Day or Father's Day is bad. Some of you guys are like, wow, I came to the wrong service today because I'm a mom and I deserve to get praised. I, moms, we know that. It's a hard thing being a mom. It's a hard thing being a dad. We love that. And we know what Scripture says. We should honor our mothers and fathers. But I believe the Western church, we've gone too far the other direction. And we've almost made Sunday less about him and more about me. What can I get out of it? What's it going to do for me? And instead of bringing our praises and our blessings and our best to him, we come and we just say, give me, give me, give me. And I believe God is putting an end to that age in the church. Yeah, I believe that. He's pointing people back to who he is. Pointing people back in worship to the heart of worship. There's this old song from the 90s. I, I, I used to love it. I'm a 90s kid. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I can't sing, man. Otherwise, I would. I'm coming back to the. There it is. Oh, yeah. My wife, we went to this conference a while back, and the pastor, he, like, he was like preaching, but he also would sing a little bit. She's like, yeah, I hope you never do that. I know, I know. There's a reason. I can't sing. It's bad. <laughs> I can't believe you talked me into that, man. Wow. Jeez. I, thank you. Thank you, Brandon. That was very encouraging. We got to get back to the heart of worship. And at the heart of worship is the fear of the Lord. And it doesn't mean we're scared of God. It doesn't mean that we're, we're afraid of him. But it means we have a healthy reverence and awe for who he is and the power and majesty and glory that he holds. In the Western church, we've taken him and we've just made him our buddy, our friend, our little sidekick. That's not who God is. He's not a sidekick. He's the main character. But we've turned him into a sidekick and an assistant and we treat him as such in our world. Revival is a return to the old ways and a return to the heart of worship. And that's what we're coming back to. That's what the church is beginning to turn back to. And we're going to see a revival of the fear of the Lord in our land. And we're going to see his blessings poured out as we walk in obedience to him and not to the world around us. That's how we're going to see change and transformation and revival in this world. And so we're going back to the word today. This word today, we're talking about sowing seed. And we started it last week. And there's two things that I see when we look through scripture that we can sow. When it talks about seed, you can sow the word. You can sow words and you can sow your wealth. I want us to be a church that is sowing our words and our wealth and everything we do. 
and that we keep the fear of the Lord at the heart of everything we do when we sow. That we care more about what he says than what the world around us says. So we're going to do things that look different, that look crazy, that look weird and strange because we care more about what his word says than what the world is doing. And that includes the Western church. I'm not against some of the things that are going on in the church. There's some great churches out there. They're doing some awesome things. Ministry is being done. But I just know for us here in this part of the church, of the body, he's called us in this season to look different, to be set apart, to seek after holiness, to seek after what it really looks like to trust and obey what his word says. And that means we're going to do some crazy things. Last week I told you, healing begins with sowing words. Beginning to pray blessings over those who have cursed us, praying blessings over our enemies. And so that's what we did. I I encouraged you last week, and I'll, I'll encourage you again at the end of today. But we've got these envelopes and these note cards over here. And you can sow seeds of blessing to somebody today that God puts on your heart. If there's somebody that you know you have been in conflict with, that you've had an issue with, that there's been some kind of problem in your life, and you you don't know what to do about it, I'm telling you, the Lord, he gives us specific directions. Pray blessings over those people. So words of encouragement and building up into their lives. And it will begin to change you from the inside out. So that person that comes to your mind and your heart right now, that enemy, that person that wronged you, that person that did something that you think it's unforgivable, your abuser, That person, whoever it is, whatever they've done, it doesn't matter. God doesn't give you a list, forgive everyone except, no, 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 he says forgive everyone as I've forgiven you. There is no exception list. And so I would challenge you today to be thinking about that throughout this message. Who is it that you're supposed to sow words of blessing and encouragement into? Luke 16, 1 through 15. Here's what Luke has for us today. Jesus told his disciples, there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So he called him in and asked him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig And I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. So that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So we called in each one of his master's debtors. And he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and make it 450. He cuts it right there in half. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Jesus telling this parable right here, this would have shocked people. People would have been like, this guy is robbing the master. But instead of the master being mad, he is, he's pleasantly surprised. He was dealing shrewdly, wisely with this money. 
Verse 9 again, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Verse 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Any mom or dad in here, you know this. You've had this conversation with your kid. Well, if I can't trust you with that, I can't trust you with this. Right? You've had that. You've all said that at some point. I don't know what it is. Fill in the blank. If I can't trust you with cleaning up your Legos, then I can't trust you with a cell phone. I don't know. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. But, you know, there's something that we've done like that. We've had that expression, that, that same thing. It comes right here from Scripture. If you can't be trusted with little, you can't be trusted with much. Verse 12, and if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering or scoffing at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. We don't care what people value. We, carry, we care about what God values. Because what the world says is valuable is detestable in God's sight. Verse 10 again, I, I want to look at that for a moment. If you are faithful in little things, it says this in the NLT, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Some of those words right there, the, the word for little is elakistos in the Greek, and it means least. It is the least in size, amount, and dignity. It's the weakest thing, the smallest thing. What's he talking about there? Earthly wealth. If you aren't faithful in the littlest thing, I can't trust you with, the word he really uses there is alathenos. And it just meant true. True riches. If I can't trust you with the littlest thing, worldly wealth, then I can't trust you with the true riches of heaven. I can't trust you with the true riches of the kingdom. I want revival to be a church that God looks at and he says, they are shrewd. They can be trusted. I've given them seed and they've sown it wisely and they've used it for the kingdom. They didn't just hold on to it. They didn't just store it up. They didn't just try to get rich. They didn't just try to get wealthy. I want our church to be a church that walks in the wisdom of Scripture that trusts what his word says. There's a song that we've been singing these last couple months. And there's a couple lines in there that I want us to look at and hold on to today as we go through some of these scriptures. It says this, I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. I've seen how good it works. If you start it, you'll complete it. I'll take you at your word. We sing these words, but do we really believe them? Do we really trust what his word says? 
when it comes to sowing what he's given us. I really believe we've gotten it so wrong and mixed up at times. And we've put all of our eyes on the smallest thing. We put our eyes on our bank account. We put our eyes on what we have. And we try to hold on as tightly as we can. And we try to store up riches on this earth that we can't take with us. And they don't really matter in the end. But when you start to read through Scripture, what, what does true riches look like? Proverbs 8, 11 says this, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. True wisdom. True wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 17, 6, Grandchildren are a crown to the age, and parents are the pride of their children. We care, some of us in here, we care more about making money and storing up wealth than we do in sowing seed into our own children and our grandchildren. But what does it say is truly valuable? It's grandchildren are a crown to the aged, and parents are the pride of their children. Proverbs 31.10, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Proverbs 31, 30 through 11, charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her work bring her praise at the city gate. These are true riches. I'll go back to Ephesians 6 again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. That's a promise. Take him at his word. This is what his word says. Let's just be crazy enough to actually start believing it and walking in it. Let's be crazy enough to begin to be obedient in the little things that he's given us and to do with them what his word says, and then see how he trusts us with true riches in this world. It's going to look crazy to the outside world. It's going to look crazy to even most of the church. I saw a stat recently that said the church in America, I believe it's less than 20% of the church in America actually tithes 10%. Less than 20%. There are millions of Christians, millions of people who claim Christ. And I'll tell you today, God wants to see his children trust him and test him and take him at his word and see that if they would trust him with the littlest things, the smallest resources he's given us, that he would give us true riches. That we would walk in a new kind of blessing. A blessing that looks completely radical and different to the rest of the world. Test him and see that he is good. I'll take you at your word. If you said it, I'll believe it. Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says this. 
If we're going to take God at his word, it means we need to know what his word says when it comes to the seed he's given us. To change our mindset and understand that the resources he's given us in this world, it's seed to be sown. You, when he gives you seed, it's to sow it because there's a harvest he wants to grow in your life. He didn't give you seed to have as a meal. No, no, no. He gave you seed to sow and to trust him with and to see the harvest that he would produce if you would just trust him in obedience to his word. So we're going to look at what his word actually says today about sowing and reaping. Galatians 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant or what you sow. You will reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. You can keep taking the seed and sowing it into the world. You can keep taking the seed and storing it up for yourselves. You can keep taking the seed and spending it on what the world says is good and great. And you can keep holding back. But let me tell you something. All he's asked to trust you with and to trust him with in your life, it's 10%. He says, you can keep nine. I'll take one. That's it. Do you trust him? To sow, and do you trust him that there's a harvest coming if you sow and if you let it go? Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. That's what we want. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to walk in his presence. We want to listen to his voice. We want to harvest the things that are everlasting, the eternal. We want to harvest a family that truly loves the Lord. We want to harvest in our life souls that are one to the Lord. Here at Revival, we're seeing that. We're seeing lives that are being transformed because people are learning to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're seeing families that are being transformed. We're seeing sin and sickness and death being broken off of families in the name of Jesus as people learn to walk in full trust and submission to the Spirit. But some of us, we keep holding back in this area, and it is holding us back from harvesting what he wants to give us. He doesn't want you to live off the seed. He wants to give you a harvest that's bigger and better than anything the seed can offer. The seed can't feed. It just leaves us hungry for more. But if we would sow the seed, if we would trust him, there's a harvest he's going to give us. Take him at his word. So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. That's where the enemy gets us. Sometimes we sow and then we have to sit and we have to wait. The harvest doesn't come right away. The harvest doesn't come as quick or as fast as we want it to or when we want it to. We can't control or manipulate that. All we can do is sow, and by faith, we sit and we wait on him. Don't give up in the waiting. Some of you, you've sown into the kingdom. 
and you're waiting to see the harvest, don't give up because that's where the enemy wants you to stop, in the waiting, in the sitting. Don't stop. Keep going. Keep trusting him. Keep trusting in the watering that has taken place in this season, that there is growth happening that maybe you can't even see, that there are roots forming down beneath the surface in somebody's life that you've been praying for and you've been believing for, that you've been sowing into with your time and your words and your encouragement and the conversations you've had, and there is life change happening. Don't stop in the waiting. Sit and wait on the Lord. Be still and know that he is God. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, let's go to 2 Corinthians 9. Second Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Understand that today. This is between you and the Holy Spirit. I don't know what you give. I don't care how you give. I don't care what the amount is. I don't care if you give here or if you give to another church. It's not a church or the leadership or the people you're giving to. It's to him. And it's between you and him. And he wants you to give cheerfully. This is from him. Remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. It's up to us. What kind of harvest do we want to see? We can hold on to most of our seed and just scatter a little bit. What are we going to get? If we sow small, we're going to harvest small. But if we go big, can you imagine that kind of harvest? That's the kind of harvest I want to see. I want to see supernatural harvest in the church of revival. I want us to be a church that sows generously by faith, that does crazy things, that look insane to the outside world. Let me tell you something that God's been putting on my heart since 2021. In the fall of 2021, there was a service when we were at the Jewish Community Center, and God put something on my heart at the end of service, and I said, wow, that sounds crazy. I don't think we should do that. He said, we're going to do it. I said, I don't want to. <laughs> Here's what happened. He told me. He told me. Now, for some of you, you don't know the story of revival, but revival was born out of a church called Stonebridge Christian Church. And it wasn't a, a, a pleasant birth. <laughs> some of you moms are like, amen, I know what that's like, all right? Men, you were like, I don't know, I don't know, I, we know nothing. Moms, we appreciate you, okay? It was a season that was difficult and hard, and, and, but in that season, out of that church, my wife and I, we knew and we heard God's calling on our lives to plant revival, that God was going to bring a new thing into this city. And so we took him at his word, and by faith, we sowed seed into the kingdom. And we took the money that we had from our severance package from this old church that we were birthed out of, Stonebridge, 
And we invested it in to starting revival. And let me tell you something. That seed that we have sown by faith, that look at the harvest that God is doing. <laughs> look at it. Look at it. But let me tell you something. He wants us to sow again. And this time we're going to do it together. And this time, this is where, this where I know you're going to be like, this is crazy. But let me tell you something. In 2021, at that service in the JCC, he said, you need to sow into Stonebridge. Because even though they didn't want you, you were formed there. You were formed in your mother's womb. They're a mother church for us. And let me tell you something. God wants unity in his church, in his bride. Let me tell you something. This is from the Holy Spirit right here. This isn't me. I can't write this good. I can't come up with this kind of stuff. This is what he's given me. Honor your father and your mother. We're going to honor our mother church. We're going to sow a seed into that church, not just of our words, but of our wealth. At that time, he said, you need to give $10,000 to Stonebridge. I said, God, we barely got that in the bank right now. And so I talked to our elders, and they said, maybe not yet. <laughs> and that's okay. I said, that's all right. I want there to be unity when we do this. I believe this is a season of sowing, and this is a season of crazy faith that's going to grow us and heal us in a way that nothing else can. Because when you sow your words and your wealth, into your enemy, all of a sudden they're not your enemy anymore. It's hard to criticize what you're helping build in the kingdom. They're not your enemy. They're with you on the front lines. There's ministry that's taken place today that never would have happened unless this church was born out of Stonebridge. And we want to show them honor because let me tell you something. What's it say in Ephesians? What's it say in Ephesians when you honor your father and mother? It's the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you. I want it to be well with us. I want to receive the blessing and the harvest he has for us when we walk in obedience to his word, when we take him at his word. I believe when we sow a seed into Stonebridge, there's going to be an insane, crazy season of harvest coming for us. And I don't know what the timing is going to look like. I don't know how long we're going to have to sit for it. But I'm believing in the supernatural growth that he's going to do in this season. And that he's going to bless us and grow us in crazy ways that never could have happened unless we jumped out in faith and said, we're going to take you at your word. Worship team, I want to invite you back up as we close out today. So we're going to sow a seed this month. And if you want to sow a seed, if you feel like what, what Paul is saying there in Corinthians... If you feel like the Holy Spirit is putting something on you right now, he's giving you a number, and he's saying, you need to sow this into the kingdom. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. You can sow a seed in this season cheerfully, knowing that you're going to reap a harvest from it. We don't care about the little things. He's given us the little things the seed that we have as a church, he's given us this seed to be sown. And so we're going to sow it, and we're going to sow into healing. We're going to sow into unity in the kingdom. We're going to sow into the harvest that is everlasting in this season. 
And so if you'd like to participate in that, you can give online, and we've set up a, a special giving uh, category, and it's just a seed offering. If you want to sow into that, you can do that. If you write checks, you can write a check, and you can write seed offering. If you want to take one of these envelopes over here and write seed offering and throw some cash in it, and you want to sow in to what God is going to do in this season, you can do that. And we're going to take him at his word and believe that we're sowing into healing and unity and peace in the kingdom. And we're sowing into the future of revival. We're sowing into what God is doing and that he's going to have us in a space at this time next year that's twice as big. No, 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 no. Three times, four times. I don't know what he's got for us, but the kingdom is growing and expanding as we walk in obedience to him, and he is going to bring the harvest. And he's going to get all glory and praise in this season. We could keep scraping and saving for a building and a space on our own. We could take out a loan. We could do all these things. But I want to take him at his word. And I want to trust that when we sow into the kingdom, he is going to be our provider. And that he has a space set aside for this church to work out of and bring revival in this city. Because we know we need it. We're feeling the growing pains in this season. You can see it today. We've maxed this room out. I believe in faith that he has a place set aside from us and he's just been waiting for us to step out and sow the seed. So let's sow the seed this month. All month long, you can sow the seed by faith. That's what May is all about. We are sowing in faith for what God is doing in this city. We're gonna be a part of the harvest. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, I, I pray for a sensitivity to your Holy Spirit in this moment, that we would listen to you and that we would hear your voice. And God, I pray for a crazy supernatural healing. I, I see a church united. I see Stonebridge and Revival standing side by side on the front lines fighting for revival in this city and in this country and in this world, for people to know you and to know your word, to know what it says, and to live on the truth that you've given us and the freedom you offer us. That's what I see for your people, God. And I believe it's a vision worth fighting for and worth sowing into. And so, God, I pray for bold, crazy faith in this season to sow in to your kingdom and believe for the harvest. And all God's people said,